0: Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. So, before we get started, Martin, we need to pour 40 out. Pour 40 out. Who died? Wonderlist. Oh, man. You're hurting me right now. Pour yeah. 40 out for Wonderlist. Pour a 40 out for Wonderlist. R.I.P. Y- you were actually the one who told me about this. Um. So you brought sadness into my life, but you I'm know sorry. what? Now I have to go change the resources page at some point. Yeah, that was. A, that's a good recommendation, but I not don't, anymore. I don't know. If I don't. Know if I don't know if I'm gonna do it now because Wonderlist is it'll still sunset later thing. this year, I believe. But then again, do I want to get people into Wonderlist and then have it die on them? So I don't know. Yeah. So okay. So basically, for people who don't follow this crap like we do. Um, <laughs> a while ago, Microsoft bought Wonderlist to the consternation of almost everyone, because of course, when big companies buy oh, little companies, sketchy. they just kill them. That's what they do. And Wonderlist, you know, ticked along for a long time, but it looks like the Wunderlist team has basically just been like taken off of Wonderlist, And now they're making some app called, what is it? Microsoft to do or something, something like
1: that, something like that, that I'm not going to use, which
0: I mean it oh it looks it looks okay, like looks wise, but the thing that leaves a bad taste in my mouth is they're launching this replacement for Wonderlist without a lot of Wonderlist's features, like specifically a lot of the features that I tell people to use Wonderlist for. There's no subtasks, there's no sharing lists with people yet. So yeah. it's like hey it's not a replacement we're getting rid of Wonderlist and here's this inferior thing that you can go use instead
1: it's very Which, blatant that it's just because they wanted to put their name on it like it's yeah. not a better product at all
0: and you know what it's more boringer too why like I, lo- I love course wonderless backgrounds I honestly. did yeah
1: it was really cool and I mean I think
0: they I, I guess premium, you have I a like,
1: couple of those once
0: oh, and this is very pretentious of course there's a picture of Seattle as this little header image in the to-do app but of course, it's got a boring name like To Do, and of course it's got a boring app icon, which is just a white box with a blue check mark, like every freaking other To Do list app out there, pretty much. Wonderlist. It um, helps me
1: start to get productive in life. I know, right? Just like Wonderlist, Evernote. That's the classic.
0: So yeah, exactly. Wonderlist, Evernote. That was like the one-two combination of student productivity, and now we have to pour a forty out for Wonderlist, and hopefully, I won't be pouring a forty out for Evernote. I mean, Evernote pulled some crap. Last year, like late last year, but by and large, well, it's, it's, st- still it's still a working. fine app. It's still doing what it does. I actually downgraded my subscription, so I'm paying less for what for uh, Evernote than I used to. Yeah. Because the so only it's, thing it's I ever fine. used Evernote Premium for was uh, presentation mode, and then got rid of that in the iPad. So now I'm just on Evernote Plus, I think it is. So it's technically cheaper for me now. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, like I, I am just like waiting with bated breath for the day that Evernote somehow screws me over. But uh yes, now Wonderlist has done it. So what happens so, when you
1: put your eggs all in a digital basket? One ru- day they ruin it.
0: <laughs> yes. So to get ahead of the inevitable tweet storm of people being like, what do you why did you change your recommendation on your resources page? Or like what would you what say you, sir, about the Wonderlist sunsetting? What's your replacement? Um at the moment I don't have a hundred percent like solid recommendation for an alternative yet. My tentative recommendation is Todoist. It's what I used to recommend. Um, it's, you know, it's a great app. I actually just got an Echo Dot for my living room and Alexa only integrates with Todoist at the moment. So hmm. it's the app that I switched to actually before this Wonderless news came out because I, basically I use Asana for all of our heavy lifting and like Trello for some like content planning. So really what I needed a a smaller to-do app for was just like groceries and small to-dos. And I love being able to basically just tell my living room to put things on my to-do list for me. So Todoist, it is for me. But the problem with Todoist, and this is the problem I've had with it for a long time from a student perspective, is to unlock adding notes to your tasks and some other like, in my opinion, basic features, you gotta pay. Yeah, more is behind it. It's cheaper, but more In, is behind yeah. the paywall. It's not a lot. Like, what is it? Twelve bucks a month it's, or something? It, or not twelve bucks a month? Sorry, no. that's, that's big. <laughs> twelve bucks, that's a y- Sorry, 12 yeah, bucks a year? Sorry, no, twelve bucks a year? No, no. Okay, never mind. It's it's like it's 28 twenty eight bucks 20 a year something. Yeah, or tw- yeah, twenty eight ninety nine a year. So it's like two and a half dollars a month. So it's obviously not an expensive thing, but because everybody wants it, your monthly just, payments, you now. can't try it out for like free and get like, all the features. Yeah, so I mean, you got to pay for that to get- Well, there's probably, three, um, I don't know. Geographic reminders, which is something that iOS reminders does by default. And let's see, well, like location alerts, automatic backups. Um, but really the thing for me is, is comments and file attachments is a premium feature. And I think that's a dumb, I think that should be free. Yeah. You know, and if Todoist was like, hey, today, you know, and maybe they could do this actually, if anybody from Todoist is listening to this, you could oh, get in advantage front of this of this PR disaster that Wonderless is probably going to be dealing with um and be like, hey, guess what? We just made comments and file attachments a free feature because why not? Yeah. And that makes it like a no-brainer. I all these other features here, I think they're fine as premium features. They're great. Sure. Uh pay two and a half bucks a month for custom filters and tracking your productivity and all these cool yeah, things. Yeah, that's fancy extras. But like, why do I got to pay two and a half dollars a month to add a note to a task? That just seems dumb to me. Every other task management app I've ever used does that for free. Asana does it for free. Trello does it for free. Wunderlist does it for free. For I wonder. Now. I bet you Microsoft to do probably even does that for free, but they don't do subtasks, so I don't care about that because I like <laughs> subtasks. So basically, I'm salty. Yeah. And um, I guess... Try to Todoist out. If anybody's got recommendations, like you can always tweet us what you think is good. I know there's many, many, many other to-do apps out and there. I'd
1: be excited if somebody showed me something really new I'd never seen before.
0: But really for me, and like from a student perspective, it's like it should be free for the most part. Or like the core feature should be free. It should sync across all your devices fast and seamlessly and without hiccups. It should be really easy to add tasks and you should be able to do subtasks in files and, uh, and uh, notes. And I hope it's pretty. You know, and yeah. Pretty would be nice as well. Yeah. Um, and of course, all of like the bullet journal aficionados and, and just people who use paper lists in general are probably going to be like turning up their noses, being, ha, that's why I don't use computerized task systems. <laughs> Nobody, T- to can. be
1: honest, that's, I mostly use paper now. Well, guess don't what?
0: Microsoft is coming and they're going to buy out your notebook. <laughs> no. Microsoft. They're going to <laughs> buy my
1: notebook and then they're just going to burn
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Microsoft announces that it's bought out Moleskine or yeah, Moleskine. Yeah, yeah it and has no like, official Starting today, all Moleskine notebooks are actually digital notebooks and they're only available on Windows Phone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I become a mountain man and abandon all technology. I can't even have paper. I'm done with this.
1: <laughs> that would be upsetting.
0: Anyway, okay.
1: So that Yes, all of, of my ranting
0: all of my ranting is has gotten out of my system. Shout out to Wonderlist, rest in peace. But yes. I'm I'm very sad to see it go. It was my first to do app that I think that I used in college. So actually no wait, Remember the Milk was, but I never really liked Remember the Milk. I don't like that. Wunderlist name. was the first one that I really liked. So it's like it's like your first love. Yeah. You know? There's like dumb things you do before that, but then Always remember. And yeah, then you, then you fall in love. Anyway, we are not talking about Wonderlist and Microsoft today. What we're going to talk about is how to properly build relationships with your professors. Because we've talked about networking a lot on this podcast and on the blog. But uh, I think there are some things to, te- to keep in mind when it comes to your professors in general. So if you're the kind of student who's like, hey, I think it would be a good idea for me to build relationships with my professors, um, This is the episode for you. And you know what, Martin? At first I was like, there's probably not a whole lot to this episode. Just pay attention in class and go to office hours and you're good to go. But actually I found a lot of things. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're gonna cover a good amount of stuff here. So the first thing that I wanna say is, for those of you who think, why would I wanna get to know my professors? They're not gonna hire me. There are very good reasons to get to know your professors. Number one, they can just be really good points of contact for a lot of things. They may let you know about opportunities. They can be someone to go to for advice. They can be someone to go to for letters of recommendation, which you may need for grad school, for scholarships, for jobs, for many different reasons. Basically, they're great people to know. And they're gonna be people you're spending a lot of time around as a student, so it's in your best interest to maximize those relationships. And it doesn't take a whole lot of effort on your part since your schedule kind of already dictates that you're spending a lot of time around them in the first place. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. And um I don't know if you have any like good professor networking stories, but I have a professor from Iowa State who um I mean I guess I've moved to Colorado now, but every year since I graduated has asked me to come speak to his class. Because oh, I nice. got to know him really well and I did some extra credit stuff for him and then he was um impressed enough with my work. Then they started following my work and he knows about College Info Geek. So he actually tells his class about my site and puts it up on the board, like on the big projector screen in his class. Awesome. So that's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like getting to know professors can be a really, really good thing. So, um, you know what, Martin? I realized that I, I did all the research for this. So you're just gonna have to interrupt me. Oh, that's fine. Because I have a lot of things to talk about here. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Okay, so the first step, I think, to building good relationships with your professors is to stop seeing them as authority figures and just see them as like peers or equals. Yeah. like, And this is something that I like to think about when it comes to jobs as well. In high school and middle school and elementary school, we're conditioned to see teachers as authority figures, as like people to be deferential to, to give a lot of respect to, And obviously like somebody who is above you in terms of like their pedigree or they're your professor, you do owe them a certain degree of respect because of where they are. But there's a difference between that and treating them like a God or like an authority figure that you just need to bow down to because you're a lowly peon. Like get out of that high school mindset of thinking like you're the kid, they're the adult. Because I think that's like... That's not a really good relationship for either party when you get to the college level. Yeah. Start to think of yourself as an adult um, who is you know kind of in the beginning of your journey, but you should see yourself as a peer with your professors and see them as adults who are educating other adults who are providing a service to other adults, not just babysitting kids, even though a lot of the people in your classes are probably still kids.
1: Well, that's why you're going to stand <laughs> down. Exactly, Yes. You, listener, are the special one.
0: So once you have that in mind, a lot of people are gonna ask me things like, hey, how do I ask for a lot of recommendation? Or what should I do to go above and beyond and contact my professor? How do I email a professor? And those are all great questions. And we can talk about that a lot in this episode. But what I wanna mention up front is, don't underestimate the value of just being a good student. Because like think about this from your professor's perspective. Their job is to create lessons and to educate their students, which means they're pouring hours of their time after class or before class creating lesson plans, creating syllabuses or syllabi, I guess that's the word for it. I don't know. Um, they're creating like homework assignments, slides, all this stuff. Like they're just pouring their blood, sweat, and tears into creating a good educational experience for their students. So if you're a student who is very clearly and visibly benefiting from that and taking it seriously, that's like the main thing that makes a good impression on your professor. Take their stuff seriously. Don't be like, oh, the class is useless. The only thing that's important I'll is for me to that. get to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like, I'm not even talking about saying that out loud. Like don't project through your actions that you don't care about the class and you're just caring about the networking with the professor because that that's like really easy to spot.
1: Yeah, see, I've heard students say that stuff out loud. Like, this. I'm only taking this because I have to. This class is pointless anyway. Yeah. And that might be that teacher's passion. That exactly. Be what they live for. They're probably in debt for this.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't know what you do, but like, I don't know, Martin, like picture you made an amazing website you care a lot about. And then people come in there and just like, yeah, I don't really care about this. I'm just like, my professor assigned me to look up a blog post and I don't know, like that yeah. would make you yeah, feel like good. They, they
1: comment. I get a notification. It's like new comment on your blog post. And I'm like, nice. Somebody read it. And it's just like, I only read this because I had to, but I guess those were some good points. Yeah. Wow. That, Actually, that was I, like that was like a backhanded compliment right there. I don't.
0: That does remind me, me. I've, I've been in classes where professors are like by raise of hands, like, why are you taking this class? Uh, are you really interested in, say, psychology and raise hands and then they're like are you taking this class just because you have to for a requirement like half the class raises their hands by show of hands who am i going to subtly favor for the rest of the? yeah exactly by show of hands (laughs) who doesn't give a flying crap about me and in exchange i will give a flying crap about you you know like don't do that um and this is something that i think about with networking all the time i know people who will watch me have a conversation with somebody who i've just met and like I'm trying to take an interest in the things they're talking about, so I'll pull what limited knowledge I have or what limited experience I have. Say it's something that I don't care a ton about, like football. Like I still know some things about football, and I can find a little bit to be interested in. A, you know, when it comes to football, just so I can have that conversation.
1: You're trying to find common ground, right. even if it's limited. At yeah, first. and some
0: people are like, "Oh, you're just faking interestin,g like you're not being a real person." And I think, like in, from my perspective, it is. Taking an interest in the thing that the other person is clearly interested in because I'm interested in this person. So, even if I'm not passionate about football, or to bring it back to this context, even if I'm not passionate about uh, post colonialism or something that you're taking a class on, care about the professor. Like you're giving them your time anyway, you might as well give them your interest.
1: Yeah, now that doesn't mean lie to them.
0: Yeah, don't lie to them. Don't be like, like, this is my
1: favorite thing I've ever done in my life because they'll find out. But
0: But you owe them a certain amount of effort and interest. So you owe them like attention. You owe them coming to class prepared. You owe them knowing what's on the syllabus, not coming to class dressed like a slob. Like these are the basic things, but they go a long way to making a good impression because this is what your professor cares about. So before you even think about how do I be, like make a good impression on my professor through networking tactics or going to office hours or whatever, just be a good student. Yeah, and, just
1: be a mature adult who takes what they're doing seriously and yeah. that's gonna get you a lot of points by itself.
0: And I'm not talking about just the bare minimum. Like be a good student in a proactive way. So sit at the front of the class, be active in discussions, be taking notes, be clearly prepared for class every time you come in. Um, ask questions, all that kind of stuff. And I found that that actually makes classes less boring as well. When I've come into classes that like, I know they're a requirement with a bad attitude, like I don't care about this class. And I sit in the back. It's more boring than the classes where maybe I didn't care that much, but I just made the decision to deliberately sit up front, take notes the whole time, be engaged. You never know. That could actually kindle an interest in something you didn't think you cared about. Yeah. So... That's like the basics for me. Um, and actually I do want to note one thing that I kind of mentioned. Come to class dressed well. And by well, I don't mean like,
1: like in a tuxedo? Yes. Like your Jackie
0: Chan in that one
1: movie where he drives really good or something. I don't even remember. Maybe it's just called tuxedo.
0: Well, it is the tuxedo. But uh, what I'm yeah. talking about is like um like a sky blue tuxedo. Oh, sky with blue. like the frill things That's on
1: the neck. That's real. You're going to prom with your teacher today.
0: And a powdered wig.
1: Ooh, you're going to 1700s prom with your teacher today.
0: What I'm trying to say is if you don't come to class dressed like that, your life is on a crash course for imminent failure. Yeah. You need to come to class dressed like a 17th century aristocrat every single day. Otherwise, why are you even there? (laughs) I don't even
1: know. (laughs) <laughs> what to take it now. I can't even think now. I'm just picturing a classroom filled with these people. Dun,
0: dun, dun, it works dun, well. Dun. It works kinda well in certain classes. There's a chandelier in the class. Actually, you know what? There was a chandelier in one of our classrooms. Really? Fancy. You've probably been in that classroom. Yeah, I don't
1: remember this. Remember
0: um McKay? I think it was two oh one. Oh wait, yeah. I know the who big you're about. the one they renovated. Yep. Before they renovated it, there was like There was a balcony and there was wood paneling everywhere. And I'm pretty sure there was a crystal freaking chandelier in that class. Yeah. If you go in there now, it looks like the most modern thing ever. They've totally revamped it. Um, But back then, yeah. So I guess you could have come to class in a 17th century restaurant. Well, the teacher probably would have noticed you. That's true. That is a way to stand out. Maybe not in a good way, depending on the teacher. Depends on their sense of humor. (laughs) Are they teaching you 17th century history? Well, maybe that would be. Kind of uh, irrelevant. Yeah,
1: you got to find out if they're going to think you're
0: creepy for if it. If you're though. going to computer science class or something, you don't know. No, but what I actually mean, uh, and I don't even mean dressing in like business casual. Like I'm not even saying you need to come to class in a college shirt. What I'm saying is come to class looking like you give a damn. And I have to say this because a lot of people come to class wearing sweatpants, and basically wearing their pajamas because they're like, I'm in college now. I can do whatever I want. So I'm just going to come to class dressed however I want. And like I think there's this toxic mindset where students think, I'm paying for my education. It is a product I have purchased. Therefore, I can do whatever I want as long as I'm just coming to class because I'm just here for the degree. Don't think of it like that. Think of you and your professor as equals on at least the social standing, but also think of everything you do being an opportunity to impress your professor or to impress your peers. Yeah. Somebody once told me like dress as if you were gonna meet the love of your life at any moment and I like that. So obviously you're not dressing up every single day but if you're leaving your house, you should do it in like a presentable manner. Yeah. So take a shower and dress in at least, at least a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah,
1: well the know? problem is if you view your college as a product like that and you just don't care and you're like, I can do whatever I want, you're literally killing the value of that product that you purchased you're making it less valuable by doing that
0: exactly yeah
1: so if you really think of it as a product make it a good product
0: yeah i mean if you do think of college as a product college is a product where you it's like more valuable you, if you get care. from it what you put in and i'm not talking about the money you put in you get from it the effort you put in yeah and that that extends to the way you dress so let's just establish that as the baseline do your work come prepared all that kind of stuff Um, And there was actually, so let's go on to how to actually like talk to your professor, build a relationship. There was actually a thread on Reddit where people were asking like, hey, what's a good way to connect with professors, build a relationship? And the top answer was from a professor. And she said, small talk is great when you've already established a connection, but don't just waste my office hours trying to check networking off of your list. I'd rather (laughs) spend time with the students who actually care or hang out with the peers in my department or just screw around on the internet. I don't want somebody coming (laughs) to my class. And I'm paraphrasing here at this point, this is just me saying like they don't want people just coming to their office hours, trying to, as she said, check networking off the list, just trying to get FaceTime for a non-sincere reason. So number one, I think it's a good idea to introduce yourself after the first class or go to the first office hours that you can in the semester and introduce yourself. But after that, like, the interaction you have with your professors should be in the context of the class or what they care about, or you should just be trying to contribute to that subject in some way, not just trying to brown nose pretty much.
1: Yeah, and that, that applies to all networking. If you're insincere, it's gonna be visible and it's going to be basically disgusting. Yeah, that's absolutely Nobody's gonna happens. wanna deal with it.
0: Like when people are... When people like comment on some of my stuff and then like send me an email a few days later asking for something, like it's very transparent right. that they were just like, they read some blog post on about.com called how to connect with an influencer. Step one, you should probably leave a positive comment on one of their videos and then tweet them on Twitter to build a yeah. rapport
1: with them. People are more than a business blah, 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 card blah, 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 blah. or a LinkedIn connection.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, with everything you do, do it with sincerity. Um hopefully don't be a sociopath, but like also don't just like blindly follow steps for networking success, quote unquote, because people see through that. You should be taking a genuine interest in what your professor cares about and them as a person. And one easy way to do that is just to talk with them about things they would be interested in. For example, when I was taking my intro to marketing class in Iowa state, I think I've told the story before, but it's, it's relevant here. This was the same year that portal two was coming out and, you probably remember this. Valve did this really interesting marketing campaign where there was like this secret website that they basically left the internet to discover. And then once they discovered it, there was this big game where, like, people who are on Steam, if they bought a certain, like, games from a certain list and then they put hours into these games, it would contribute points toward this overall uh, point vault or something. And that would cause Portal 2 to be released early. Oh yeah, And I was like, that's a genius marketing strategy because now Valve is getting a just ton of sales on games that they wouldn't have otherwise sold from the hype leading up to Portal 2. So not only is Portal 2 going to sell well, like all these other games ride the coattails and Valve profits. Genius. So I actually sent an article about that campaign to my marketing professor and I was like, hey, I think this is a great example of a good, like smart marketing campaign. I don't know if you want to talk about it in class, but I figured you'd find it interesting. And he was like, yeah, that is actually really cool. Thanks for emailing that to me. So those kind of things where if you just notice something that your professor would think is cool, maybe email it to them because they're gonna like it. But that also establishes you as a student who actually gives a damn about the topic that they're interested in and goes above and beyond to send that stuff and be in touch. Um, there was an article from Penn State professors that I'm gonna have linked up in the show notes where basically they were asked like, hey, how do people make good impressions when they're students? And one person said, I have students all the time who see a news story in the paper or online or on television and then they notify me about it from a PR perspective and ask me what I would have done. And these are the students who I believe will do very well in the future and those are the students I want working for me. So go out of your way, to engage your professor on their turf, and that's going to make a great uh, great impression on them, I think. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever did anything like that, but...
1: Well, I, I've shared stuff with uh, professors. My French teacher, actually, that I had for several years and then I had I had her in a different class that was a little elective like mad science in popular culture or something mm-hmm. talking about Bioshock and like stuff like that it was oh, really it was really cool but because of that I knew a lot of her interests and when I found something I was able to share it or when I had my language blog my Chinese teacher I was like hey I wrote I wrote one article about why I've been succeeding in, this, in like this class this specific technique I'm using to pronounce Mandarin better and she was like, that's actually really cool. Now that's different from me sending a bunch of unnecessary links from something I did because if yeah. it's something you did and it's really not relevant, that's that's not going to go over very well. Yeah. But like it was relevant and because of my French teacher on a separate occasion knew that I did these things and that I studied other languages, she had me speak to a first year French class in French to talk to them about like Anki and spaced repetition because they knew who I was. And the information I had to offer because I shared it with them.
0: That's awesome. So wait, you spoke to that first year French class in French? Yes. Did they, they understand
1: you? I had to retranslate some of it near the end because they didn't understand me. Okay. But, but they, <laughs> I tried to use mostly simple stuff. So they got the gist of it for the most part. But spaced repetition is a particularly like fancy thing to yeah. talk about. So I had to paraphrase it later that's still pretty cool but like she thought to say hey come come do this because i know you as a person not mm-hmm. just as a student who follows my orders and does the homework but as a human yeah, who exactly. is interested in language just like i clearly am because i'm teaching this
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome uh okay so the next thing i wanted to move on to um so we've talked about just building a relationship in general keeping a professor's radar sending them cool stuff I wanna talk about the proper way to reach out to your professor when you need something. So the first thing I wanna mention is before you contact your professor, do the 15-minute rule. And if you haven't heard me me talk about this before, the 15-minute rule is basically the same as uh, I've talked about the course and technique before. Essentially, if you run across a problem or something that you don't understand, Spend 15 minutes trying to solve it yourself. And um, I think it was episode 88 or something. It was like, it was the one that I did with, um, what's his name? Matt something from Akamai. We'll link to it in the show notes. But he wrote this blog post about in his company, the programmers have to spend 15 minutes trying to figure out a problem with this.com before asking for help. And they have to document everything they do. So the reason I mention this here is because a lot of students will come across something they're confused about on the syllabus or in homework, and they'll immediately go ask the professor or email them and be like, hey, I don't understand this. Uh, But professors spend a lot of time creating their syllabus or syllabi. I don't know how to say that word. language is evolving. (laughs) Just say whatever you want. I'm going to go with syllabi. If we
1: say it long enough and everybody else starts saying it, it's the truth Oh, you're
0: right. Yeah. You know what? Whatever, man. We have more listeners than the average professor. They got like 300 people in lecture hall tops yeah. and we have a bunch more so it's we can actually, actually make a syllabesium. Syllabesium. Sounds cool anyway. That does sound pretty cool. All right. So yeah, they spend a lot of time working on their syllabesium <laughs> and if you just immediately say, "Oh, I don't get this." It's not going to make a good impression and it wastes their time. So when it comes to confusion, spend some time actually trying to solve the problem deliberately. And I say this because as uh, somebody who worked in IT and had to solve problems for like my <laughs> living, and then sat in classes like the very same day with people who didn't do that, I just noticed like there is this really common tendency for people to run across a problem that they don't immediately and intuitively get, and the moment they realize that, they ask for help. They're like I don't get this. And number one, that is not the attitude of a problem solver. And Any company out there worth their salt wants to hire problem solvers, so it is in your best interest to cultivate this mindset. But number two, your professors are busy. So, you know, they got grad students to deal with, they have research that they're probably dealing with, they've got papers to grade, and they have 300 other people in that class alone, plus all their other sections. They don't have time for you to come up and ask a question that's answered like five lines down the syllabus, and you just didn't read it. So make sure that you know what you're doing and make sure you've done your due diligence before you go ask for help. Um, And that will do a lot for you. If you're gonna email your professor, make it short because again, professors are really busy and that extends their inboxes. So don't tell them your life story. Just if you have to email them about a problem or you have to email them that you're gonna be gone, just say, hey, um, my name is Jimmy. I'm in your Thursday class for philosophy and I was just confused about this, this point in the syllabus. And then they'll probably get back to you. Don't be super crazy about it. Or you can just go to office hours. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a thing too.
1: Yeah, face-to-face might help with the recognition anyway, if yeah, you absolutely. get the opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can if you can go to office hours and build that connection, that's definitely good. Though professors are human beings. So if you're that person who is constantly coming to office hours with really dumb questions, then no, don't do that all the time. <laughs> and I, I'm actually I'm a little bit wary about using the word dumb questions because I don't want to discourage anybody from asking questions if they are truly confused. So Maybe when I say questions dumb, is yeah, better. that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good term. When I say dumb questions, I don't mean questions that you feel other people would already know and like you feel dumb for not knowing because those are the questions you should bring up in class. Like you're dumb for not bringing those questions up. But it, the type of questions I'm talking about are things you could have figured out with an extra five minutes of effort. So again, that's why I talk about that 15-minute rule. If you put in a little bit of extra effort, like 75% of your questions, you can answer yourself. And I say that as somebody who literally got fired from a job when I was in high school for being that kind of person. I worked at a-
1: That's fair. Yeah.
0: I worked at an insurance agency in high school for about three months. And all my jobs before that were like really menial stuff, like working at fast food or- working in cornfields, so I went from that to managing a company's books on QuickBooks and doing reconciliations and bank statements and stuff, and I was so scared that I would screw something up that every time I didn't get something intuitively and instantly, I would go ask the owner, hey, am I doing this right? And sometimes I would forget what she told me, and then i go ask her the same question again, and uh, that wasn't the only reason I got fired, but that was a big reason. She was like, you're wasting my time. I hired you to take this stuff off my plate so i could deal with other things but every 5 minutes you're coming to me and asking me these dumb questions yeah so you're gone <laughs> honestly
1: i didn't get fired for that it sucked. but like at my first job it was a desktop support thing i now looking back i i can remember yeah i can tell she was annoyed at a lot of those times that i came to ask for something without just figuring it out myself mm-hmm. because that's that's the why you hire somebody is exactly. to solve a problem not, not so that you can solve a problem more slowly through somebody else. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I mean, obviously your professor hasn't hired you to yeah. come to your class, but people get annoyed just the same. So make sure the questions that you're coming to your professors with aren't lazy questions. It's, yeah. a, good, it's a good term for it. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about is, um, at least the last big thing, is how to ask for a letter recommendation because this is one of the big things that you can get from your professors if you have a good relationship for them, with them. So let's briefly go over how to do this. And I'll just note right up front that I'm gonna link to a resource that I've pulled a lot from. Um, it's from St. Olaf College. They have a lot of good information here. So I'll have that linked in the show notes if you want to review anything we talk about here or get some extra detail. But basically here's the process that you wanna go through. So. Say you've got a job that you're applying for, or maybe a grad school, medical school, law school, or a scholarship, and it needs a letter of recommendation. Number one, you wanna start this process really far in advance. And again, always think about this from the other person's perspective. Not your perspective, the other person's perspective. So in this case, it's your professor, they're really busy, and for them, writing a letter of recommendation, while it's something that a lot of professors are happy to do, it's low priority. You know, they've yeah, got... They, they don't get anything from it, really. Their wife and kids back home they care about. They have, you know, a hundred or thousand other students, depending on how big the school is that they're dealing with. They've got research they might have to deal with, the administration. So while they probably want to help you succeed and they're happy to write a letter of recommendation as long as you have a good relationship with them, it's not high priority. But for you, it is. And because it's super high priority for you, it can be really easy to fall into the mental trap of thinking, oh they would be happy to write me a a letter of recommendation with a week's notice because it's so important, right? No, it's not. So one to two months before your recommendation is needed or the due date comes up, you should be thinking about which professor do I want to contact for this. It should be somebody who actually knows me well enough that they could write something interesting about me and hopefully somebody who knows me with regards to the qualities that I want to showcase on this application. So maybe the application is asking for a letter of recommendation that deals with my communication skills or my organizational skills or my ability to do great research. Which professor would be able to accurately speak about that in enough detail for it to matter? You know, if you've got a programming professor who maybe saw you in class, maybe knows your name, but you never went and talked to, then all they have to go off of is maybe a couple of homework assignments you turned in and it's just their name, like they didn't really know a whole lot. That's really different from maybe a professor where you did an excellent extra credit project for them, and you went and actually talked to them and hashed out the details in person. Yeah, you know. So if you've done a project with that professor, or if you've gone to office hours enough times that they can really put a name to a face, that's very powerful.
1: Yeah. And if also about those qualities, if you need specific qualities, it'd probably help if you give those hints to your professor you're asking for a recommendation from Mm -hmm. just by the way they're looking for communication skills if if you have anything to speak on about that because otherwise you're just like uh hey write something good about me and they're like i have to think about this (laughs) can you just write something that makes Uh, me look awesome dex i don't what he's a great he's got great kung fu kicks i guess but that's not what they're looking for so that recommendation although that recommendation (laughs) might yeah it's like it's going to be generic if you don't tell them what what they're looking for, and they don't know you well enough.
0: Yeah, um, Jimmy's a good student, and uh, from having a quick look at a Spotify a Spotify profile, looks like he's he's, he's got, got a <laughs> decent taste in music. I'm not seeing yeah. Two Chains on here, but I am seeing some Led Zeppelin. I'm liking that. I'm seeing some yeah. Bee
1: Gees. It's we could. What is this easy he forty? We could go to a <laughs> few concerts together. That's what I have to say about this dude. Yeah. Our music tastes line up. He's pretty sweet.
0: But yeah, so yeah, definitely communicate what qualities you would like them to write about. So the way you go about actually asking for a letter of recommendation, um, I think you should either write them an email or go to their office hours and ask them. And I think that second one is probably the best one, but don't do it at the end of class. Because that's like, there's a lot of people around, they might be rushing out the door, and you're kind of like putting something on their plate, asking them for a favor. So do it in a context where it's relaxed. And uh, they might not be comfortable with doing it. Yeah. So basically, office hours, I think, is the ideal thing to do it. Just be at, just go in and ask them, hey, I'm applying for X, Y, or Z. I'm applying for you know medical school. Would you be comfortable writing me a letter of recommendation? That's the question you ask first. Yeah. And if they say yes, then set up a meeting with them at their office hours and bring them things like your transcript, your resume. Um, if you have copies of work that you've done for them that can help jog their memory, as to why you're a great student, to why you embody a certain quality. And then, like you said, tell them what you'd like to highlight if they're willing to do so. So if they know that you're a great communicator, if they were able to see you working within a group at a group project and you took the lead, um, then they might be able to write a great letter of recommendation highlighting that quality. So, and then also, if they're gonna be sending the letter of recommendation, a lot of times, like a professor will write a letter of recommendation, seal it in an envelope, and sometimes like uh, a lot of applications I've seen actually instructs the person that you're getting the recommendation from to mail it in separately so you can't like temper with it or whatever, I guess. Add a list of like dates that it's due, names and addresses. Basically like make it as easy as possible for them to do this for you. Yeah. Because they are going out of their way. They're not really getting anything in return for it. They're just, they're doing it for you. So make it as easy as possible. And- if like a situation comes up where you don't need it anymore, tell them right away. Cause like oh, yeah. it would suck if they spent like an hour writing this heartfelt recommendation for you. And then on Monday morning <laughs> you're like, oh, I decided to not yeah, apply thanks, to medical but school. I didn't need it. I'm actually joining the circus, they're gonna be pissed. And yeah. they're not gonna go to your circus. And so. uh, I
1: would say that this this depends on the teacher and your relationship with them. But maybe if you go to their office hours to ask for a letter of recommendation and they, and you just sense like maybe they're iffy about it or they're a super busy person and maybe they can't, mm-hmm. then if they seem kind of uncomfortable or something, it may be tactful to be like uh, just – if you can just think about it and like, I don't know, shoot me an email, let me know because it's easier for people to gracefully say no like separately otherwise maybe maybe they really can't but they're gonna really feel bad and they're super uncomfortable and you're kind of guilting them into doing something Mm -hmm. so if it feels a little off you can give them a way to save face and they'll probably appreciate that honestly for when they're less busy
0: and that's a really great skill to learn in any situation is giving people the opportunity to save face if they need to reject your request or say in another context if you're giving somebody some criticism giving them a way to save face is always appreciated
1: Yeah, like if you're going to ask out this cute girl and you do it in front of everybody super loud and she really doesn't like you and she's got to be like, um, no. Don't propose to your girlfriend uh, at Diwali. You gotta you gotta be, yeah, you, get, you gotta be really sure. You gotta be really sure before you do stuff that doesn't give people a chance to save face. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's true of a lot of things. If you wanna change somebody's mind about something, mm-hmm. they need the opportunity to walk back their previous position and save face cleverly mm-hmm. so that it's kind of like, oh yeah, I, w- I was kind of right the whole time. You, because nobody wants to feel bad or wrong or mean. Yeah. Nobody wants this.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the one other thing I wanted to mention it, it, when it comes to these letters is if they don't get like if they accept and they don't get a letter back to you within like say a week of the deadline, um, send them one email reminder, but like no more. And if they don't <laughs> yeah. get it to you, then that's you know that's just <laughs> the roll of the dice. But hey, don't prof, comma.
1: I still haven't got that recommendation. Question. 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 <laughs> question, question. Question. Send.
0: You just email <laughs> email them an email that says bump. <laughs> bump. <laughs> Yeah. I have had, I, I kid you not. I have had marketers <laughs> who will email me just again and again and again. Hey, just seeing if you got this email, we just, we really want to put an article on your site. And then one time I literally got an email. It was like the fourth email this person had sent me and it just said bump. <laughs> That's and I'm like,
1: don't do that. No. See what I, I do this in those cases, because you shouldn't do that. That don't do yeah,
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> I create a filter. That automatically deletes any future emails from that person. Yeah. They could be emailing me about like their dead grandmother or something at that point and it just never gets to me. Sorry. Hey, you heard about my dead grandma? Bump. Bump. <laughs> bump. <laughs> They're
1: you, just sitting at the computer writing bump every day. Gonna, me won't reply. You're going to show up at the funeral? <laughs> I know you don't know me, but please
0: come. Please come to the funeral. And also, if you know, just. I thought I'd mention it offhand. If you wanted to put an article on your site, like... "Mm -hmm." Yeah,
1: I'm I'm feeling pretty sad right now, and it just... I don't know if you... I have been wanting to
0: write an article. They would use their dead grandma as a way to tilt me into accepting yeah. their stupid thanks marketing for accepting proposal. my
1: article p.s my grandma recovered she's she's fine now <laughs> <laughs> but she was dead <laughs> actually your generosity brought her back to life yeah
0: thank you you're right. a saint you know that
1: scene in the pokemon movie where the tears bring ash back to life spoilers yeah it was kind of like that for my grandma thank you you Sarah. putting
0: my crappy guest post on your site <laughs> was like the tears of life just thank you. Yeah, don't do this. And if you could do it next week again, like my grandpa, he's starting to... He, m- he's looking pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> a couple of small notes before we uh, close this episode out. Um, in addition to just building a good relationship, definitely pay attention to any sort of opportunities your professor talk about. professors talk about, like extra credit. Um, for instance, I created a website for my MIS professor as an extra credit opportunity, but I was able to use that as my final project in another class. And I was able to use that project to literally get a job in the school's web development department and then use the first three months of that job to do the project as like a learning opportunity. It's like triple dipping, quadruple dipping. That's it something like, like that. Yeah, it was like the most efficient thing I've ever done. Like they hired me and they were like, you don't know PHP, so you're... Project for the first three months to teach yourself PHP and I was like cool I'm going to build a PHP driven website for this final project and also use it as the extra credit project and uh, To be honest that website is the reason that professor has asked me to come speak to his class Because I built him like the best friggin website ever it had like a, it had like a login area it's got Marquees he was like literally <laughs> using it as a website for students to get information about his class like it was pretty sweet that's so awesome. opportunities are great. Another professor actually mentioned that there was a group of students going up to Minnesota on one weekend to go tour this insurance company. And I did that. And because of that, I ended up winning two scholarships. Um, now I went and toured that insurance company. It was like a place that I would not have wanted to work with, uh, work at after after college. Just the culture wasn't for me. But through that trip, I met the one of the big managers of that company. And that manager was it ended up being the person who decided the scholarship winners for that company's scholarship to our university. And I won it twice. And I am quite confident that getting to meet him was a big reason why I won that scholarship twice. Yeah. So just keep your ear to the ground. And whenever your professor mentions an opportunity, maybe your research opportunity with them, that's some time to work one-on-one with them. Those are things that you should definitely at least consider. And then um, I wanted to mention some pitfalls too. So uh, a couple of things that may put you in like a bad light when it comes to your professor. Number one, if you have a group project and one of your group members is being a pile and just doing nothing, the first instinct is to go to your professor and talk about the issue. And I did this at one point, And I literally had a professor say, Group projects are supposed to be a simulation basically of group projects in the real world. And in a real company, your manager is going to expect you to do what you can to solve or mitigate any problems between you and your team before escalating the issue. So I actually don't like that you're bringing this to me now because it doesn't seem like you've done much to deal with the issue yourself. You're just coming to me at the first sign of trouble. So go deal with it yourself, and if it is still a problem, then come to me. So, that's real. Yeah, it's real, you know? That's some real talk. And I've had professors who worked in industry before becoming a professor or actually had some who literally still worked in the professional world and then like taught as a side thing. So those people are especially attuned to the need for you to deal with your problems and act like a freaking adult in your groups. And it sucks. And group projects just suck in general. They do. But that's just the yeah. way things go. So- Make sure that if you're going to go to your professor with a complaint about a group member, you're able to demonstrate that you've tried every other avenue to deal with the problem on your own because that's going to impress the professor and show that you have some independence and some ability to work things out rather than just being like a kindergartner who tattles. And then um, the other thing that I saw mentioned on that Penn State article is if you have an issue with your professor, like a grade that you need, you want to challenge or something's wrong with their online class system or something like deal with issues yourself don't get your parents involved and this is like something that i would never even fathom like my parents never even knew my grades were in college ever yeah they basically had no involvement so i would not have even thought to put this on my bullet list here but this was mentioned in the article by an actual professor being interviewed. So apparently there are students out there who go crying to mom and dad when there's a problem. And this is straight from the horse's mouth. Your professors don't like that. And it makes you look like a child. And it also creates a lot of stress for them because now they got to deal with a parent who's protecting their little angel.
1: Yeah, you're an adult now. You're actually supposed to do this yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. And like, I, I'm just mentioning it because they mentioned it. Wow, like,
1: I, I never, I wouldn't have occurred to me.
0: I, I think most me. students listening to a podcast like this are probably independent yeah. enough and like interested I w- in their I own self-betterment. so, but just, so, I'm surprised. I do want to put it out there. I'm just surprised. Like deal with your issues yourself, be okay with a little bit of confrontation and you will garner respect from that. Yeah. So I think that about covers it. We've covered how to make that first impression, how to build a relationship organically, you know, how to just build the relationship through do, doing the work and being a good student, asking for that as a recommendation. I think that's a pretty comprehensive overview. But as always, if you have questions, if you have anything that you want to follow up on, we've got the uh, comment section on the blog. We have the comment section on the YouTube version of this where a lot of the feedback seems to be these days. And also Twitter. I'm at Tom Frankly on Twitter. So questions are always appreciated over there. If you have things that you want us to follow up on, Other than that, you can find the show notes for this episode over at cigpodcast.com slash 157. And over there, I'll make sure to link to those articles, that Reddit thread with the the professor's recommendations in there, and also that Penn State one and the St. Olaf one about letters of recommendation. So check those out if you want extra details. And also check out collegeinfogeek.com slash resources if you want links to any of our favorite tools and apps for making your educational experience a better one. And beyond that, I think that about wraps up this episode. So thank you so much for listening. And until next week, stay cute.